Amen. And wherever we are, that's where the body is and that's where his presence is. Amen. Let's love him again this morning. I feel his presence. God, we love you. Appreciate you today. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your help and your strength here today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I do want to try to bring a Bible lesson to you today. And uh, if you stand with me, let's open our Bibles to the, to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. And then we will skip down and read verse 20 and 21. 2 <clears throat> Timothy 2 and 15. And then verse 20 and 21. Is Brother Townley here today? I want to say how much I appreciate his message last night and many things he was talking about you're likely to hear said again today and throughout the week. And I appreciate his opening up this camp with a good word from the Lord last night. Praise the Lord. Second Timothy 2 and 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Amen. Would you like to be prepared unto every good work? Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. God, we love you. Thank you for your goodness today. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your strength, Lord. Thank you for this time to spend with your people, Lord. We've come apart from our homes and our places of work and play. Lord, we've come to this place to seek your mind, to seek your face. I pray that you would... Speak to this congregation today, Lord. Use me as a vessel in your hand. Anoint the ears to hear and the heart to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Now the first word of our text is study. You probably don't want to hear about studying right now. Have you started back to school yet? When do you start? Oh, a couple of weeks. Well, I just want to give you a little uh, statistic here. See if I can read my own writing. Hopefully you can read it. I used to be a school teacher. I'll give you a few numbers here to think about. And you'll notice as we go upward on this board the numbers are going up some of you really intelligent young people are probably going to figure this out some of you don't care Talking about studying here today. Now these are statistics from the United States. So they may not mean much over in Canada. But uh, since we're in the States, we'll talk about, talk about them a little bit. 
Okay, thank you. Now, I have uh, six levels of income here. This is an average annual income. In the United States, if a person goes to a few years of school, maybe through second or third grade, and quits and goes to work, no diploma at all, this is most likely what he's going to earn in a year. Now, if you're 12 or 13, that probably seems like a lot of money. But when you start figuring that out, that's barely over $1,000 a month. Well, that may still seem like a lot of hamburgers and uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Tim Horton Coffee. He couldn't buy as much Starbucks, probably. But uh, if you figure a house note and some insurance on it, and a truck note and some insurance on that, figure buying a couple pairs of shoes for your wife a month, new purses and dresses along the way, you're not going to have much left to go moose hunting, all right? <laughs> so... so uh, I saw a moose crossing this morning. A moose crossing. Not a moose. Oh, well. I knew you wouldn't get that one. <laughs> All right. You can make a little bit more money if you'll hang in there and finish and get your high school diploma. And you're moving on up. You can get, on average, almost $2,000 a month. And uh, instead of the whole family piling into one vehicle, you might be able to afford a second vehicle. And uh, uh, you might be able to go over to uh, Applebee's occasionally instead of eating at McDonald's all the time. If you will go a little beyond that and maybe get a two-year degree at college, well, you can expect to earn 31000 684 on average in a year. This is uh, statistics that have been studied. And if you go a little further and get maybe a four-year degree, you can expect to get up close to $4,000 a month. And if you go to a master's, which in most cases is five-plus, you could get on up 56, almost 57,000. And if you go on six plus years and get a doctorate of some kind, you can expect, like an average, to earn about $87,644 a year. So this would tell you that the more you put into something, the more you're going to get out of it. This would kind of help you understand that if, uh, if you want to be lazy, if you want to sit around and play uh, games on your phone and computer and iPad and never show any initiative, then you're going to be eating a lot of uh, bologna sandwiches. You're going to have uh, rice and beans on Monday and beans and rice on Tuesday and so forth and so on. Like one guy said, his little kid was saying, Daddy, I want to go to McDonald's, I want to go to McDonald's. He said, shut up, peanut butter breath. 
You're eating another peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You're going to be doing a lot of that. But if you can, now I know in every crowd this size, there's some kid somewhere that heard that uh, Bill Gates didn't go to college or Steve Jobs or some of these other guys. And uh, they always want to say, I, I, want, I want to be that guy. And uh, there may be a Bill Gates here. There may be a Steve Jobs here. I don't know. <laughs> but more than likely, you're going to fall to these lower levels of statistics if you choose to go this route. And I want to talk to you a little bit about college a few minutes. This is not a, a pep rally to get you to go to college. I just want to give you some ideas about it and... Uh, Maybe you can use it, maybe not, but before our session is over, I want to talk to you about some spiritual applications for these lessons. Now, uh, you may not can tell it, but I went to college. I went to college in 1987. It's a long time ago. Most of you in this section weren't born at that time. Um, when, when I got to college, I was kind of green, and uh, I, I grew up in a very secluded and isolated place. We had a, we had a uh, little oasis out in the country, in the countryside of South Mississippi, and uh, we had our own church school. We had, we had everything we needed. We had our own ball field. We had our own gym. We, uh, we just... We had it all. It was a nice place to grow up. We grew up very sheltered. And so when I uh, took a summer job with my uncle, we were uh, pouring and finishing concrete, which is very hard work. And uh, I did that for several summers. And I decided that I, I at least wanted to try to get to this level of a two-year degree and Hopefully, I wouldn't have to spend the rest of my life doing back-breaking labor, although there's nothing wrong with that. I just didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. And so when I finished high school, I worked all that summer and uh, worked with a man in the church putting up uh, steel buildings. And, but I knew I wanted to go to college. And so at the end of the summer, I showed up at Southwest Community College, which was just a few miles from our house. And uh, I had a couple of pencils and a notebook, I guess, and I headed out to college. And uh, so I showed up for college, and they said, well, son, uh, what do you want to study? What do you want to be? I said, well, I don't know. I just, I just want to go to college. And they said, well, have you applied for admission. I said, no, I haven't, but here I am, you know, show, give me the papers. And so they said, have you taken the ACT? And I said, well, no, I haven't taken that either. And uh, so they took me in the room and they said, well, to get started, said, we need some uh, information about you and your family. Do you have any ID? And I said, about what? No, not really. <laughs> I did have a driver's license. And, and uh, so that was where I started. I started out in college. And, 
And uh, thankfully, I got hooked up with a good counselor. And uh, this lady began to tell me, she said, Son, uh, you can do anything you want to do in college. You can take any uh, course of study you want to take. And uh, you can go any direction you want to go. And she said, what would you like to study? And I said, well, really, I'm not sure. I, I think one day I want to own a business. So she said, well, uh, why don't we start you out in business administration? And I said, well, it sounds wonderful to me. Uh, what kind of classes am I going to be taking? And she began to talk to me about something called a common core. If you've been down to your local college or you've studied this online, you understand that uh, you could be anything you want it to be. This is going to be a tree, okay? And it's got some roots here in the ground. My wife's normally my artist. You'll figure that out before the week's over. I'm going to miss her in that way. But you think about a tree with these branches and you walk up to a beautiful tree and you don't see the roots down here. You really don't pay any attention to the trunk of the tree, but if it has flowers on it, you see that. If it has uh, great boughs on it, you see that. If it has... Uh, you know, some big spreading shade, you see that. And so you look at different people in life and you see uh, men like this. Uh, you see a banker and you see him sitting in his big corner office at the bank and you see all of his decree degrees and diplomas on the wall. Or you see a lawyer and you see him driving around in his fancy car. And uh, you see, well, you say, well, man, that guy's rich. You see a doctor and you see him uh, there in his practice, in his office, and he's got all of this machinery. You see a, a, maybe a dentist or someone like that. You think, man, these guys have got it made. Look at them. They've got all of this uh, prestige and all of this money. And, and uh, unfortunately, we fail to consider this, this doctor here probably has at least eight years of college. He's probably got some student loans that he's still paying off. He's probably spent a lot of sleepless nights hitting the books and studying. And so I, I want to help you understand that uh, there's a lot that goes in that's unseen to become something like this. And... Uh, this is what I want to try to impress upon your mind, talking about a common core. When I went to business administration school, I was taking English 101 and 201 or whatever. I was taking Western civilization. I was taking a basic level of psychology. I was taking speech. And I was taking uh, some kind of math like college algebra. 
had a young lady in our Christian school once. She said, I really want to go to college. And I said, well, I think you should. She said, well, I got the manual from the college and I'm looking for something to major in. I said, well, what are you interested in? She said, I don't care what it is as long as I don't have to take college algebra. And the only thing she could find that didn't require college algebra was to be able to work in a children's nursery. <laughs> I, I wouldn't let some little challenge like that keep me from my dream. But anyway, I, I started out, I'm just in business administration. I want to own my own business someday. But what I began to notice was the future bankers were in these same classes with me. The future lawyers were in these same classes. And I began to understand that to get a college degree, everybody there had to take these core requirements. Everybody there had to start at the same place. It didn't really matter where you were going to wind up. We all started at the same level. I was listening as Brother Townley was preaching a beautiful message last night. And, and too many people, when they come to, the, come to these things in life, they, they say about serving the Lord, well, I want to be... I want to be an evangelist. Or they say, I want to be a pastor. I want to be a conference speaker someday. I want to be this or I want to be that. You know, they began to name all of these things that they want to do. I want to be this or I want to be that. And I understand that the Lord calls some people at a young age and they have a direct uh, uh, future in mind. They have a direct course of study and they have a direct calling. I understand that some people like Samson are called from the womb and John the Baptist. But I want to tell you, in most cases, when you look at these different things and those things that you have the highest esteem of, and you should have a high esteem of them, Amen. You, you need to understand that everybody that ever does anything in the kingdom starts out at the same level. We come through the same core requirements. Praise the Lord. And I, I want to talk to you about that a little bit today. Amen. The, the, the core, the basic core, and, and if you want a title, this would be it. The core requirements. For a vessel of honor. I want to go back to our text for a few moments here. And give you some definitions of some words. And try to help this make sense for you today. If a man, Paul said, therefore purge himself from these. He shall be a vessel unto honor. He said you would be sanctified. He said you would be meet, M-E-E-T. We're going to talk about that word. And he said you would be meet for the master's use and prepared. Let's look at these three words, sanctified, meet, and prepared. 
To be sanctified just simply means to be set apart. And in our lesson today, to set apart for God. To make something the opposite of common. To make something the opposite of average. Amen. Anybody, I suppose, can be average. But to be sanctified means I'm going to set myself apart from just the run of the meal. He said you're going to be meat. This word meat means acceptable. It means easy to make use of. Well, I want to write that out here so you'll get that. Easy to make use of. Easy to make use of. Too many people are trying to put restrictions on what I will or will not do. Well, I want to be involved, but I'm not doing that. I want to go to college, but I don't want to take that course. Praise the Lord. I don't remember ever praying to God. God, I want to travel to Canada and Preach a conference up there. I never pray, I sure never prayed to God. God, I want to evangelize someday. And I absolutely didn't pray. God, please let me lead the Christian school one day. And I certainly never prayed, God, I want to mow these 15 acres of grass we got here. I never prayed, God, please let me be the man that puts the mulch in the flower beds before camp meeting every year. Oh, Lord, I want to be the man that gets to come in here and clean these restrooms. When I first got out of school, I went and talked to the Sunday school superintendent. I said to him, "Uh, sir, I've got a desire to work in the Sunday school and uh, you know I had a little something in mind I thought I should be doing I wanted to teach the, the teen class the 7th and 8th graders and uh, do you believe he put me in the class with the 1st and 2nd graders I guess he thought he'd put me down there on my level see if I could work my way up And we had this thing called center of interest back then. We had about four teachers in the room. So I'll go in the room. I'm one of four or five teachers. And about a month later, they changed the program. We went back to one teacher per room. And I was selected to stay in the room of the first and second graders. And uh, I did the best that I could and thought I did a fair job. I saw one of my Uh, students several years later second and third grader first and second graders are six and seven I think and so one of them was about 16 and she came up to me and she said I'll never forget you teaching our Sunday school class and I was standing there beaming wondering what profound lesson I had taught that she remembered 
And I said, well, what was it that you remember about my teaching? She was grinning. She said, I'll never forget the day you rolled your book up and hit Ryan on top of the head with it. And I suppose that's the only thing she remembered. After a little while, I, I went back to the superintendent and I said, Sir, I really have a burden for the, the 7th and 8th grade class. And he said, Well, I think I was 18 at the time or maybe 19. He said, We usually don't put someone that young in there. We usually have a married man or woman and we really like to have a couple in there. And I thought, well, be a while before I'm a couple, but whatever. And I said, well, just keep me in mind. I've been praying about that class. And a few weeks later, he came, and he, I could tell he didn't want to. I could tell he didn't think I could handle it. But he said, you know, the teacher in this class quit, and we can't find anybody to take it. He said, I guess I'll let you try it for a few weeks and see how you do. And at that point, I was just wanting to be in his presence. I was just trying to get closer to God. I, I didn't have motive or ambition. I just wanted to do something in the kingdom. And so I said, yes, sir, I'll do my best. And I began to pray and seek the Lord. I found out that some of my students in that class did not have the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, several, an alarming percentage of them did not have the Holy Ghost. And these are the 12 and 13 year olds. And well, I was so concerned and so burdened. And we were teaching along, going through the lesson week after week. One Sunday morning, the Holy Ghost came into the classroom. And God filled seven of those kids with the Holy Ghost on Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. God, I just want to be in your presence. God, I don't care where you start me out. So long as I, your hand is on my life. I want to be set apart but I want to be easy to make use of I don't want to be one the pastor has to say well now if I put him over here with this person their personalities are going to clash and they've never been able to get along anyway I want to be easy to make use of I want to be a vessel of honor sanctified, set apart. I want to be meat for the master's use, easy to make use of. And then he said, and prepared unto every good work. To be prepared means made ready. Made ready. Amen. Prepared. Made ready. That means the Pastor could call me on Sunday morning and say, Son, I need somebody to do this little job. Yes, sir, I think I'm ready. Call you on a Saturday night. I need this done in the morning. Yes, sir, 
I'm prepared. I'm made ready. You know, the work of God, sometimes we, well, I know we like to plan, and it's obvious that around Plaster Rock, somebody's a great planner and very efficient. But sometimes in the work of God, the cloud moves suddenly on us. We have to scramble and meet needs, and, and the pastor's looking for someone to step up and fill a void. He needs young men and young ladies who have made themselves ready, who would be easy to make use of, who have set themselves apart. Amen. Sitting there, ready to go. Plug me in. Put me in. I'm ready. I'm prepared. Praise the Lord. And so we want to be a vessel of honor. I want to be a vessel of honor in the kingdom of God. And let me tell you this, vessels of honor come from all walks of life and all backgrounds. Vessels of honor come from low-income homes and they come from rich homes. Vessels of honor come from people with the right last name and the wrong last name, if you please. Amen. You're not restricted or hindered today from being a vessel of honor by anything that's outside your control. Amen. Being a vessel of honor is all within your control and within your reach today. I'm not talking about something far out or hard to find out. I'm talking about something everyone in this room can attain to today. Let me make another little point here before I go on. Paul said in his text to earnestly covet the best gifts. Earnestly covet the best gifts. That doesn't mean that you sit back and try to calculate where I can be used in the work of the Lord that's going to give me the most exposure. That doesn't mean that you sit back and try to figure out uh, what's going to bring you the most prestige, if there is any. That means the best gift suited to your temperament, the best gift suited to your personality, the best gift suited to your intellect. It would have been hard for a fisherman like Simon Peter to be an apostle Paul. Peter grew up on a fisherman's boat. Peter grew up learning how to mend nets and learn how to feel the sea and know which way the tide was moving. And he learned how to work with his hands and be a fisherman. Paul, on the other hand, was educated at the feet of Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees of the tribe of Benjamin. But Peter could stand on the day of Pentecost and take the keys to the kingdom and open the door to the rest of the Jewish nation. Peter could go down to Samaria with the keys to the kingdom and open the door to the half Jews, half Gentiles. Peter could go down to the household of Cornelius and open the door to the Gentile world. The apostle Paul was confined to a jail writing epistles, writing to Rome. Each man had their own distinct ministry. 
the best gift. Amen. Not the gift that's going to bring me the highest place or position. But God, the gift that would best suit me. The gift that would take me where you want me to go. The gift that would never raise me above my level of consecration. Praise the Lord. A vessel of honor is one that is number one, sanctified. It's set apart. Number two, it's easy to make use of. And number three, it's prepared. It's made ready. How do you get to be a vessel of honor? I want to give you a few things today that I think are important for every person in this room. If you are going to do anything or be anything in the kingdom of God, you need an understanding of the basic doctrines. Praise the Lord. The Bible says you need this. The Bible says that we, in 1 Peter 3 and 15, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. What are these basic doctrines? Number one, you need an understanding of our gospel message. The gospel message is found in a expanded version in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1. 1 Corinthians 15 and 1, Paul said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. Verse 2, by which also ye are saved. Verse 3, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I received. Here's the gospel. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is our gospel message. That Christ died and was buried and that he rose again. Praise the Lord. A lot of times we talk about the gospel and the good news and we're not sure what we're even talking about. The good news is that Jesus Christ died, that he was buried and that he rose again. How do we apply that in our lives? How do we make that connection? As Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, the Bible said they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. To repent means to die. To repent means I'm identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. Then Peter said unto them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. To be baptized is to be buried in Jesus' name. For the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. To receive the Holy Ghost is to receive resurrection power on the inside. To receive the Holy Ghost is to receive that power and that spirit that raised Christ from the dead that's also going to quicken this mortal body. Praise the Lord. And so among the doctrines, we need to understand what the gospel message is, what the good news is today. 
And that is that Christ died and was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We need to understand the connection of our baptism to the gospel message. Paul said in Romans 6 and 4, we are buried with him by baptism. We are buried with him by baptism. We need to understand among the basic doctrines the outline, the general, the general truths of the Godhead. Amen. If not, you're going to get to work someday and some Trinitarian's going to challenge you. He's going to put questions in your mind. You're not going to know how to answer him or respond to him. You need to know that we serve one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Here's just a quick outline. I, another day, perhaps, we could go into this, but you need to understand the essence of God. Number one, John 4 and 24, God is a spirit. Can you see a spirit? Does a spirit have flesh and bones and blood? No, God is a spirit. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17, now the Lord is that spirit. Jesus Christ, the Lord, embodied that spirit. Amen. 1 Timothy 3 and 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Amen. God is a spirit. A spirit hath not flesh and blood. But he said, a body thou hast prepared me. That great eternal spirit came and manifest himself in the flesh through the body of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. The Bible said of Jesus in Colossians 1 and 15, he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1 and 2, speaking of Jesus Christ, verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Express means the only one. The express image of the Spirit is Jesus Christ. The Bible said there is one body and one Spirit. Amen. Jesus Christ was that one body and that one spirit was manifest in that one body. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 4 and 4, there is one body and one spirit and that one body is the express image of the person of God Almighty. Praise the Lord. Many times Trinitarians take Matthew 28, 19 and try to tie up a good apostolic oneness person. Because the scripture said, baptizing them in the name. First of all, we would note that that word is singular. And we would then note that of the Father is a prepositional phrase. Of the Son is a prepositional phrase. 
of the Holy Ghost is a prepositional phrase and they all refer back to name. They all identify name. And so we would ask the question, what is the name of the Father? You need to be able to open your Bible to John 5 and 43 where Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name. What name did he come in? Jesus. Amen. What is the name of the Father? Jesus. And then we would say, well, we've got the Father name. What about the Son? You need to be able to take them to Matthew 1 and 21. And she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Amen. And so we would say, well, we got the Father named. And now we got the Son named. And what about the Holy Ghost? John chapter 14 and verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Amen. What's the name of the Father? It's Jesus. What's the name of the Son? It's Jesus. What's the name of the Holy Ghost? It's Jesus. Amen. This is a core requirement to be a vessel of honor in the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 1 Timothy 3 and 16, God was manifest in the flesh. Put this one along with that. Matthew 1 and 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God was manifest in the flesh. Praise the Lord. You need to be able to look someone right in the eye and say, I know who Jesus is. Amen. He is the express image of God Almighty. Amen. And, and he was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost all wrapped up in one. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for that revelation today? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Along with these basic doctrines, you may be seated. We also need an understanding of separation from the world. People that never get this revelation about separation are frustrated all the years of their life they serve the Lord. And most of them sooner or later go find a place where they can do as they please and do as they want to, where they are no longer separated from the elements of the world. But the Bible still says in 2 Corinthians 6 and 16, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. If you don't get an understanding of the necessity of separation, you're gonna frustrate yourself. You're gonna frustrate your pastor. You're gonna frustrate your parents. You're gonna frustrate the grace of Almighty God. Amen. But here... We need to understand God is calling me to come out of this world. 
To be sanctified means to be set apart. Amen. The Bible says in 1 John 2 and 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Praise the Lord. You need an understanding of separation. You need an appreciation for separation. I'm not like the world around me. I don't talk like they talk. I don't, I don't entertain myself as the world entertains themselves. Praise the Lord. The next one you may think is synonymous with the last one. Separation. But I believe you need an understanding of holiness. There is a difference in holiness and separation. If separation alone could save a person and make them holy, my, there are certain groups that have us beat hands down on some of that. There are folks in our world today that are so separated from the world around them they don't even have electricity in their homes. We're going to go home appreciating air conditioning a lot more. God forbid they would put an air conditioner in their house. They won't drive or own a motorized vehicle. I think some of them thumb a ride occasionally. So separation is not totally synonymous with holiness. Separation is coming out. Separation is setting a gap and a mark between me and something else. But just to separate myself does not make me holy. Praise the Lord. These sleeves I'm wearing is a form of separation from the world. I've separated myself in how I cover my body. But to put a long sleeve on will not make me holy. Amen. The way that our ladies dress separates them from the other women of the world. But it doesn't make them holy. Praise the Lord. Sad to say I've seen, I've seen females with, with clothes that just about drag the tracks out behind them. They're so long. But they conduct themselves in such a sensuous manner. There's no way you can say they're holy just because they have material covering their body. Praise the Lord. And sad to say in the hour we're living in, a lot of young men covering their bodies with worldly clothing. Praise the Lord. I want to talk about that more later in the week, but just suffice it to say, separation is not equal to holiness. But the Bible does say, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Separation, this outward appearance, is not the treasure. The treasure is in the earthen vessel. The treasure is the Holy Ghost that we have today. Praise the Lord. But I want to tell you something. Separation serves as the first line of defense 
to protect the treasure within us. While separation is not equal with holiness, separation is a protection and a barrier to cover your holiness and keep it unmarred by this world. The Bible said in 1 Peter 1 and 15, but as he which hath called you, you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That's not just what we say to one another verbally. This is our lifestyle. This is everything about us. The way we dress, the way we walk, the way we talk. Amen. You cannot be holy without the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. You cannot talk right without the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Amen. You need the Holy Ghost to prick your conscience when you have violated a principle of this word. Praise the Lord. So we need an understanding of holiness. I've got to be holy unto the Lord. We need an understanding of I've got to be a personal witness. Everyone with the Holy Ghost It's called to be a witness. Didn't Jesus say to his disciples, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me? In Jerusalem, that's at home. In Judea, that's in the nation. In Samaria, that's in the near nations and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Praise the Lord. We need an understanding. I've got to be a witness. We need an appreciation for the word of God. Well, I can't emphasize this one enough. Praise the Lord. The word of God. The Bible said in Psalm 119 and 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How can he cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Boy, I need to talk about this a little bit. He didn't say thy word has the pastor hid in mine heart. He didn't say thy word have my parents hid in mine heart. Thy word has the Sunday school teacher. Although these things are important. He said thy word have I hid in mine heart. Thy word have I got out and read for myself. Thy word have I taken with me to prayer meeting and said, God, give me an understanding in this word. Thy word have I wept over. Thy word have I cried over. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. If you don't know what's in this book, you won't know when you violate a holy and a righteous God. But when you hide the word in your heart, when you get down and read it for yourself and and you're praying and God quickens it in your mind, amen, you can't even understand this book without the help of the Holy Ghost. Oh, but I want to tell you, when you get down and pray and you read and you begin to see it for yourself, the word comes alive and you say, thy word have I hid in my heart. I don't want to sin against you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Oh, it takes some time to get the word in your heart. Praise the Lord. 
Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If I've got a lamp, it's shining where I am currently. If I've got a light on my path, it's shining where I'm headed tomorrow and next week and next year. Amen. I need the word for my decisions I'm making today. But I also need the word for my career decision. You need the word for your companion. You need the word for your career. You need the word for all the choices you're making in your life. It's not just what I need as a 15-year-old or 16 or 17. It's these choices I'm making today are going to affect my eternity and my future. Amen. Your word is a lamp shining all around me, showing me where to put my foot down, moving me away from the snares and traps of the enemy. But not only is it good for today, it's good for tomorrow. It's good for next week. It's good for next year. It's a light to my eternal pathway. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We need appreciation for the word of the Lord today. Praise the Lord. Bible said in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. I want to receive that love of the truth in my heart and my spirit. Praise the Lord. Because they didn't receive a love. The Bible said, for this cause God shall send them strong delusion." that they should believe a lie. There's no deception like one authored by God. Oh God. I see churches and movements today that are moving away from a love for the truth. And I see them swallowing deception. And it came from God. Praise the Lord. Order my steps in thy word. And let not any iniquity have dominion over me. I want to love his word today. Would you lift your hands this morning and just love him for a moment right now. God, I love you. I love your word today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to cover just a couple more points. And then we're going to wrap this lesson up. Amen. You need an awareness of the rapture. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. 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 I said you need an awareness of the rapture. Too many places today, they're not talking about it. They're not singing about it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Hallelujah. One of the things that triggered me in my childhood days 
to make sure that I had received the Holy Ghost was a dream that I had or perhaps a vision, I'm not sure which. I remember as a child hearing a trumpet sound, watching family members rise up in the sky. Other saints in the church were going to. And there I was as a child watching them leave this world behind. Oh, I got busy about getting the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Bible said in John 14 and 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Amen. He's coming back. As the disciples were watching him be received up into glory, the Bible said two men stood by them in white apparel. And said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner. Amen. He's coming back. Here's the thing. If I have an awareness of the rapture, it affects me when I'm messing around with my phone. If I believe he could come back in the next moment, I'm going to be much more careful. If I have an awareness of the rapture when I'm at the clothing store, it's going to make me be that much more careful to say, now I don't want to wear anything today that I wouldn't want to have on when the trumpet sounds. If I have an awareness of the rapture, it's going to help me while I'm dating and courting. I don't want to be found in a compromising situation when the trumpet sounds. We need an awareness of the rapture. Jesus is coming soon. The trumpet's going to sound. And I'll be caught away. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the Lord himself shall descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm not telling you this to scare you today. I'm telling you this so you'll be prepared because it is going to happen. I said it is going to happen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I don't want to move just yet. The Lord's helping somebody right now. Hallelujah. God remind us again and again and again. You're coming back for a bride that's made herself ready. A bride without spot or wrinkle. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When I'm in my, when I'm in my vehicle and I'm 
messing with the radio. I need to remember he's not going to wait until I'm at riot around the altar all prayed through. He's coming like a thief in the night. He's coming when he gets ready to come. He's a merciful God, but you better believe he's coming when he gets ready. No man knoweth the day nor the hour. Such an hour as you think not, he's coming. Hallelujah, I want to be prepared. I want to be prepared. I want to be made ready. Praise the Lord. I want to give you this last thing, and then we're going to try to bring this lesson to a close today. If you want to do anything in the kingdom of God, you need to love the ministry. Praise the Lord. You need to respect the ministry. 1 Corinthians 4, 14. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. Though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, Paul said, be you followers of me. He said in another place, follow me as I follow Christ. We need a preacher in our lives. We need someone that can talk to God on our behalf and can come back and talk to us on God's behalf. If you're still with me, taking notes or following along in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 13. We know a very familiar passage. It's verse 17. But I want to point out four more things in Hebrews 13 that we need to be aware of. If you've got a pen, you could underline these things. I think they would help you. Hebrews 13 and 7. Remember them which have the rule over you. Remember them. Don't just come to church and hear their preaching and teaching and go home and forget about it. Remember it. Take it into your heart. Hide it there in your heart. Think on it. Remember them. Whose faith follow. Who's he talking about? He said, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Talking about the ministry in your life. Verse 17 we're familiar with. Obey them that have the rule over you. And I like this next part. It says, and submit yourselves. Let me give you a little clue about obeying and submitting. Obeying and submitting are not the same thing. If the preacher says, I want you to sit right there, I'm obeying him. But if I'm like the little kid who was running all over the room and his mother said, little Johnny, sit right here. Little Johnny looked at his mom. He said, I may be sitting down on the outside, 
but on the inside, I'm still standing up. He said, obey them and submit to them. Obedience has to do with your action. Submission has to do with your attitude. Praise the Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Several years ago, I was trying to make a decision about my life and my ministry and what I was going to do. I live way down in South Mississippi and up in Ohio, a preacher called me and asked me to come and run his school and be an assistant for him. My wife and I flew to Ohio. The home was nice. It was two-story with a basement underneath it, right on the church property. Beautiful place. The salary was good. The benefits were great. On the flight home, my wife and I were trying to decide what we were going to take and what we were going to keep when we moved to Ohio. I went and talked to my pastor. Of course, he knew I went, but I was just following up with him. I could tell he wasn't ready to have a going away party just yet. He said, let's pray about it. And I'm thinking, well, I've already prayed. During this time of seeking the Lord, a man came to me, a lay preacher in the church. He said, son, I was praying for you. And the Lord gave me this scripture for you. I said, yes, sir, what is it? He said, it's Isaiah 1 and 19. I read it. It just simply said, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, I didn't understand it at first. But the more I prayed over it and looked at it, I began to see it. Obedience was one thing. Willingness was something entirely different. And I went to my pastor and I said, Whatever you say, whatever you say. I was called by a man to take a church, a good church, a large church, a well-to-do church. He said, come preach for me a few months and everything goes right. I want to turn it over to you. And I said, well, I'm going to talk to my pastor. And he said, okay. I talked to my pastor and he said, son, I've got some misgivings about this he said I'm going to call this man he didn't even tell me what he was going to tell him a couple days later the man called me he said your pastor said he wanted you to stay there and I said oh I didn't know that he said well what are you going to do I said, I'm going to stay. He said, how old are you, son? I said, I'm 36. He said, don't you think you're old enough to make up your own mind? I said, I'm submitted to my pastor. 
If he says stay, I'm staying. If you're just obedient, I understand there's some blessing in that. But if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Obey them and submit to them. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account. But that's not all Paul said. Verse 18, he said, pray for us. Pray for us. You need to pray for the ministry in your life. You need to pray for your pastor. Pray for your bishop. Pray for those that come by and preach in your church. God, help this man get me to heaven. Give my pastor a boldness. Let him not regard my visage. Let him not have favor with men or women. Let him have favor with you. Pray for us, Paul said. Then in verse 24, he said, Salute all them that have the rule over you. And that's more than just going up and shaking their hand after service. It's respecting and honoring them. Do you want to be a vessel of honor? Do you want to be something in the kingdom? You got to work down here where nobody else is looking. Can you imagine any of these trees? Just pick any one of them. Take the roots from beneath it. It's not going to stand long at all. The least breeze is going to move it over. Take the big tall skyscrapers in the cities around this country. There's a lot more under the ground than we understand or realize. Here's the thing. If you're elevated vertically more than your consecration will support horizontally, you're going to fall. People have looked at position as we heard last night. And they've said, I want to be that or I want to do that. Because of ambition, they've gotten moved and promoted. But if there's not some core requirements, some things under the surface, I didn't cover personal prayer some other things that really should be here. Just tried to give you some basic thoughts today. If there's not something underneath the surface, when you rise to that position, you're going to be moved about by every wind and doctrine. But you've got to go into those unseen places and develop your character. There's only one thing that will produce anointing in your life. And that's consecration. It's prayer and fasting and reading the word. And I feel some hearts here today that says, I really want to be used of God. And today I'm not saying which direction it has to be. 
as we heard last night, I just want to get in the presence of the Lord. I want to make sure I'm sanctified. I want to make sure I'm easy to make use of. And I want to make sure that I'm made ready. I'm prepared. Would you bow your heads and begin to pray at this time? God, we love you. God, we need you. There's some young men here that say, Brother Ham, I want to be a vessel of honor. I want you to come and find a place to pray. There's some young ladies. Would you do likewise? Hallelujah. Are there any in this congregation this afternoon that would say, I want to be a vessel of honor. I'm not going to be choosy or picky. I'm just going to make sure that I'm ready. Lord, when you need me, here I am.